So, Caitlin, today we are going to be talking about CRISPR, uh, which you may or may not have heard of as the special secret technology that edits babies and makes them into designer babies. Wow, that sounds pretty crazy. You haven't heard of it yet? No, I have not. Well, uh, yeah, essentially it dates all the way back to the 80s, but um, back then people had no idea that it was going to be used uh, on humans at all. It wasn't really until the mid-2000s that people started figuring it out a little more and, and you know, really starting to understand it. And now there's a lot of controversy because people are concerned that we are going to be aesthetically editing babies to make them wow. gorgeous and all-powerful. And so there's a lot That's of very ethical consequences here. Wow. <clears throat> Crazy. Um, so how did this start? Yeah, so... Back in 1987, um, a Japanese scientist named Yoshi Izumi Ishino, and he had a team uh, over at Osaka University, they discovered clusters of DNA in some bacteria that contained, like, strange repeating sequences. Um, and it wasn't, know why they were, wasn't known why they repeated or, you know, what these clusters did, if anything at all. So they didn't, you know, really pay too much attention to it. Now, the name CRISPR actually stands for clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. So Wow. Yeah, it's I just... mean, it's great that that shortened to CRISPR. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if that didn't spell a word? <laughs> yeah. And um, essentially, like I said, nobody thought it was really going to be used on humans. But in the 2000s, they figured out that um, this bacteria that, you know, had the strange repeats, they were actually using it as a defense mechanism. They would take sections of a virus's DNA and build it into their own genome using an enzyme called Cas. So sometimes you also hear CRISPR known as CRISPR-Cas9, and that's where that comes from. But essentially, this defense mechanism allowed researchers back in 2012 to, you know, take a look at it and, and discover that it's actually a cut-and-paste tool for editing mm. gene sequences. Interesting. So this bacteria was cutting and pasting from the virus in mm -hmm. order to, like, protect itself, basically. Yeah, it was just building it into its own genome at, to defend itself. But um, Jennifer Dudna and Emmanuel Charpentier found a way that this defense system, you know, could be leveraged by humans to snip our own kind of genetic sequencing and, and uh, make some pretty crazy changes that seems very crazy so the crispr is just the copying and pasting of dna mm -hmm. like you can literally think of it as like scissors or something like that like it snips take it up take a part off put a different part in and does it actually work like that well is it like how complicated is it to do this process um it works very well Essentially, you can edit thousands of genes at once, not just one. Like, you can do a lot of things. Um, and it's still, for the most part, in animal testing stages. Um, you know, there's a lot of hesitation uh, on human trials. Yeah, so yeah. We haven't got too far down that road yet, but I'll, I'll chat about a few of the examples as well. But essentially, yeah, this is like a huge groundbreaking technology. People are calling it the biggest breakthrough in genetic science this century um, or even just the biggest breakthrough in science, period. Wow, that's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, 
when I first heard of it, it seemed pretty sci-fi, seemed pretty out there, but yeah, definitely. yeah it is, it, it's really insane. So you can remove, for instance, like mutated parts of genes from a long strand of genetic material. You could just take out certain things to, in theory, um, remove any number of birth defects or abnormalities or anything of that sort. So if there's something that's going to take humans to like the next level of evolution, this is going to be it. Okay, when would this process have to occur? Like, does this have to occur, like, immediately? Like, how, like, when could we mutate someone's DNA? Like, can that just happen tomorrow with anyone? Or does it have to happen, like, you know, basically at conception? Like, when does this process occur? It can happen at any time, essentially. And it does depend on what you're trying to do. Um, So for certain things, you'd want to, you know, literally edit the embryo um, before... Mm-hmm. It's implanted. Um, but in other times, you could you could do it. Again, this hasn't been really tested yet, but at any age, and you would have some significant So I could changes. just, like, go, like, change my eye color, like, 100%. hypothetically And, and I'll, I'll get to this later, but you can actually, for the low, low price of $169 US dollars, buy a do-it-yourself CRISPR kit, and you can edit and change your eye color at home if you... You know, Seriously? Yep. This is real. <laughs> oh if you know, if you have kind of the oh boy. the scientific wherewithal, you could definitely do it. And wow. some people are literally biohacking themselves on purpose and just self experimenting with CRISPR. Like right now. Today. Wow. Yeah. That so when I say it hasn't really been tested on humans yet, I mean in a clinical setting. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 crazy for sure. Um mm-hmm. and like I mean, people are naturally uh, on the one hand very very excited about this technology but also there's a lot of people who are just really nervous about it they're you know concerned um, that this is going to make the economic disparity and poverty you know differences between populations a lot bigger because you would assume that when this technology comes out and people are able to use it on their children and their children's children, it's probably going first to be available to like the richest, most elite people in the mm-hmm, world. Mm-hmm. And that's just really And they can make leave... sure their kids are going to have no problems. Yeah, it's going to leave a lot of developing genes. countries in the dust. And that's part of the reason why uh, there's kits available at home. There, There's a guy, Dr. Josiah, uh, who essentially wants it to be democratized and available to the masses so that this doesn't happen and that you know, anyone has access to it now. Wow. Yeah, he was investigated for this, but cleared of all charges. Wow. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just kind of in getting to what CRISPR is getting used for um, in terms of modern research, there's a lot of different things, but, um, you know, like HIV, blindness, cancers, neurological disorders, and like, let's take cancer, for example. So you know, we've been trying to cure that since the dawn of medicine. Like mm-hmm. Hippocrates was the one who coined the term and he, he was trying to figure it out way back then. And, and all these years later, still all we can really do is physically remove tumors or blast cancer cells with chemo. Yeah. Besides that, we're pretty much helpless. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now with CRISPR, we could, in theory, slow the spread of a tumor or completely reverse it. Seems like great news. Yeah, and it's not just that too. Like, I mean... Um, in China, where you know regulations are a lot more lax around gene editing, they have actually been able to test this on people. They had one guy, lung cancer patient. Um, he was injected with cells that were modified with CRISPR. So what they did was they they drew the guy's blood, 
disable the gene that produces a protein that cancer cells use to multiply. So, you know, similar to the spike protein that COVID has. Um, and then they just put it back in him. And their theory was disabling the protein would prevent cancer from multiplying. And then the immune system could win the battle. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, HIV is a big one as well. That is like rapid. It's essentially unstoppable when it comes to multiplying. So researchers at Temple uh, and the University of Pittsburgh are working to use CRISPR to snip HIV right out of infected cells. And that would, you know, in theory, shut down the virus's ability to replicate and stop it right in its tracks. You can just snip it right out of there. That is like really unbelievable. Yeah. And it's actually worked three times in animal models already. The first time ever that anyone has been able to show a way to remove HIV from an infected cell. Wow. So this is groundbreaking stuff. Cool. Really promising. Honestly, I thought I was going to be mad about CRISPR, but you got me all excited about it now. So I'm The confused. benefits <laughs> far outweigh the negatives for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, like this HIV study, um, McGill in Montreal yeah. came right out of there. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you hear about, like, I've heard, you know, designer babies, and it's like, okay, that's such an awful thing. But, I mean, this just sounds, like, amazing. Like, that's definitely the naysayer talking point number one. Nice. And, you know, it's an issue as well, um, for sure. But most of modern ailments could be solved, in theory, with this technology. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, like I said, like, if something's going to take us to that next level, it's going to be this. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like so much research is, is ongoing, like all the time people are publishing on this, um, you know, blindness, for example, genetic blindness, that affects something like three in a hundred thousand newborns. Um, and it's caused by mutations that are inherited in like 14 different genes, uh, which is quite a few, but Mm -hmm. CRISPR could act on all 14 of those and, you know, produce sight from the blind. Oh, wow. Like magic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um or even huntington's disease so that uh that causes nerves in the brain to deteriorate significantly um you know it, it creates faulty genes which grow and and produce big proteins and, and then those break apart into small toxic fragments and and those fragments just kind of f up everything else in your brain right they get in yeah. the way of all the other neurons and and they totally impair normal neuron function but uh, they were testing um, CRISPR in the brains of mice, and the mice were able to regain motor control, regain balance, uh, and basically get all of their kind of motion back, and they didn't have it before. This, to me, sounds like it's almost doing the opposite of, you know, messing up the playing fields, because really, it just seems to be more fair, because someone who has, you know, a genetic problem, um, those are totally random, you know, like someone that's blind, totally, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. random, you can't solve that, you can't fix that, you know, it's it's written into your DNA, um, but you're evening the playing field, you know, like, all of a sudden, you can, you can give that back. Mm-hmm. So I, I, what is right. like the big criticisms then? Basically, it would come down to, let's say there's a really wealthy nation or, you know, a really wealthy family that can afford to do this. The rates of blindness might continue to rise in the in the countries where it's still being passed on genetically, but other nations wouldn't have that problem. And so you would see, you know, these groups improving and these other groups kind of stagnating and staying in the same area. So that'd be like a cost problem that, you know, the yeah. first cost, world countries would have at first. Um, you know, public health care versus 
healthcare you can't afford, things like that. There, there would certainly be, you know, some issues that would come into play, um, which we would just have to kind of deal with as it comes. But yeah, like it can do a lot of, of really good things for sure. And, and the list goes on too. like nearly everyone suffers from some kind of pain or chronic pain in their lifetime, at least once. And, you know, it's caused by inflammation. Um, and those same inflammatory molecules that cause that pain could be snipped out or prevented. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot of, of good things to say about it, but the controversy isn't just to do with, you know, availability and access while that is a significant part, the rest would really come down to, um, what's called off target effects. So it's just complete hubris to assume that we you know, can do know, this well with, that we know everything about yeah, the genome, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> with no consequences there's always a ripple effect um if you were to maybe snip out those 14 genes that cause blindness you might be causing you know 140 effects on other genetic strands that might cause other problems that you just don't even know about and those problems may not even be present in in the initial person like maybe those show up in the grandkids and they're totally messed up, but it's too late to do anything about it. Well, can't you just snip it out? Maybe, but, but how do you know? <laughs> I know like I it know. just it exponentially just grows yeah, in, in, yeah. In, in problem, really. No, you assume there has to be some effect to dramatically altering DNA. Yes, like other things are happening that we don't know about. We just don't have the full picture. There is always going to be off-target effects. Um. But just as a quick sidebar, CRISPR goes beyond humans and animals. It's also being tested in making crops more robust, mm. drought resistant, um, you know, stronger against diseases. So it'll almost certainly be used in our efforts to feed, you know, the growing billions on Earth. So, again, very, very exciting. I, I can't stress this enough. The applications are so wide ranging. But yes, there there is some controversy. And... Uh, a few years back, 2017, I think, scientists from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, they came up with a statement essentially, you know, putting forth guidelines and like best practices. And uh, they said that it was unethical to be editing cells in embryos, eggs, and sperm. Like it's completely unethical, absolutely unacceptable to do this, except, or, or for the use in enhancing like a person's physical appearance or abilities. Basically, they're saying, don't use CRISPR to make your child blonde with blue eyes and six foot two and muscular. But you just can't say that, right? Because, um, well, blindness is a physical ability. Blindness yeah, where, affects, where yeah, is that line? There's no, yeah. there is no line. And I'm sure members from the blind community would argue that, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, just because they're blind does not mean their life is... Yes. is is and not is meaningless or something right like there's a whole thriving community yeah exactly yeah. like i mean what is it if you're four foot eight you're like you legally have dwarf status in canada yeah. or something yeah are you are like the problems could just be anywhere look if you want to make yourself taller are you going against what the national academy is saying because it, it's a physical ability it's an appearance thing yeah yeah um they really just want it to be used for like life-threatening things like if, if you have a disorder that's going to kill you then it's okay. But again, it's it's a very gray area. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I can see that.
Yeah, and and just to kind of talk about how things are in the West right now, like the U.S. has they have not touched embryos. They haven't done that. Uh, there there is strict regulations around that. But in China, they did test this, and in England and Sweden, they did it as well. Ch- the Chinese study was essentially just proving that it can be done. Uh, they never implanted those embryos in humans, but they did remove remove disease causing mutations from the embryos to say, hey, we can do this. Um, and and that's that's really kind of the designer baby thing hinges on that, you know. Yeah, I could see how those could also get political, right? Because if different countries were to make their own rules, like mm-hmm. if China was like, "No, you can do whatever you want to the embryos," you know, like change them however you want, um, like uh, other countries would obviously react to that because well, yeah, there's a, they're gonna there's... have. A lot Potenti- of room for yeah, <laughs> no more problems potentially. So, but let's say let's say the United States never allows you know reproductive genetic editing ever, and then China does do it. So in a hundred years from now, China will have all these babies that have been edited with CRISPR. Maybe they will be you know super soldier babies, or maybe they will just be irrevocably messing up their <laughs> their genetic line. Well, I can't wait to see what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I mean, this is completely unprecedented. Nobody, nobody knows anything about this. And when when you're making changes to genes that are going to be passed on to subsequent generations, um, it's known as germline editing. And so that's kind of really where a lot of the, the ethical consequences are, are hinged on um, because it can effectively alter humanity forever. Yeah, yeah, generations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so are there, are there some... If I'm altering my DNA, is that for sure going to have an effect on generations to come? Like if I were to change my eye color tomorrow mm-hmm. to green, does that mean that when I have a kid, I've already changed my DNA to be, you know, going towards that green eye color versus that blue eye color? Or are there certain ones that are for sure passed down and ones that aren't? Well, it's hard to say. Um, you would be making it more likely to be passing on green to your child, but there would still be other genes that affect eye color. Like it's never just one thing. We we don't we don't have the full human genome mapped, um, and a lot of different things affect it. Like fourteen for blindness are fourteen that have been identified. Right. There so if I change just one plus, of those, I could potentially be changing something, or maybe I have to change. There's going to be a lot of interplay um, wow. between between these diseases and these conditions that you're like, I mean, you, you might want to take the gamble to like remove down syndrome or something, or you might want to definitely take the gamble to block the proteins that spread cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gamble comes into play of like, well, you're doing that, but you know, what are the effects? What might the causes be that, that come up because of what you've done? If you're going to die, it's worth taking the risk because you're going to die anyway. But maybe you'll live, maybe you'll have 10 kids, and maybe some of those kids will have weird problems that we've never seen before. So crazy. It is. It's bonkers, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, the National uh, Academy, they know how important this is going to be going forward. Like, I mean, they the prohibition is not their goal, but they're really stressing extreme caution. They want... They want the most stringent oversight. They want this only for serious life-threatening conditions. But, you know, they're not really a governing body. This was just recommendations that a group of scientists Mm -hmm, published together. mm -hmm. Um, You know, like a 70-page report. But it's just not going to hold. Like, you really just can't keep up with this. The studies are coming out so quickly because you can go from 
you know, hypothesis to actual results very, very quickly. You just have to just have to do it. Um, it doesn't take that long to figure out if, if CRISPR worked for your intended purpose. So policymakers, regulators, they can't keep up. They can't even keep up with vaping. That's like one thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. <Yeah. laughs> they, they've got no chance. And the fact that you can edit genes with CRISPR at home, you know, in your garage, in your basement, there's just no way that this, like, I mean, this could be the Wild West for sure uh, in terms of biohacking and human improvement. So it's just like who's willing to gamble. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that doctor I, I mentioned earlier, so Dr. Josea Zayner, he, he really wants everybody to do this. Like he, he, he wants it to be a my body, my choice sort of thing. He thinks that science is built on elitism and powerful technology. And the only way to kind of counteract that is to make it available to the masses and to democratize the use of CRISPR. So yeah, he's got a kit. Other companies have kits. Literally, like it's 170 bucks, you know? What can I, besides eye color, what else can I change with that 170 bucks? Well, again, the applications are basically endless. Like what, whatever you could think of, whatever you know. But like, with that kit, even I could just change anything? Like, you, could I get rid of my own cancer with that $170? You can't just be like an average Joe. Like if I, if I were to the kit, I wouldn't know what to do with it. You, you have to at least have some kind of science background to to even be able to begin things like the eye color like for instance um there was one guy maybe even a group of people who have done this but they tried to give themselves night vision they were trying to like make their eyes uh you know really like yeah they they wanted to give themselves night vision and it worked but really messed them up too (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just it's some crazy biohacking stuff so essentially anything that you could think of anything that we know of um the genes acting on that like if we already have that information it's in the scientific literature that's where you would begin so we know things about eye color huntington's cancer hiv we know things about about that so far but Mm -hmm. um more information is going to come out more studies are going to come out like we're trying to figure everything out like the crops and and everything else so getting this kit at home and getting it to the hands of more people is going to create more experience um you know more anecdotes more more learnings incredibly dangerous of course like don't do this at home, obviously, but it's going to be things like this that push us forward into figuring it out because it really, it could do anything, any kind of body modification you wanted because the genes cause, you know, your body to be as it is now. And if you were to remove certain parts and put other parts back in or just leave them out, it's going to cause changes. So as long as you were able to put in the research and figure it out, you could get any change you wanted. Okay, my next question is, like, how fast is this moving? Like, when do you think we're going to have to, like, really confront this? I know, like, some people are confronting this, but when are we as, like, a society really going to have to confront this in, like, a, a crazy way? Certainly by the end of the decade. Like, I think people are confronting it now. So the first patents came out in, like, 2011, 2012. Um, research obviously has been going on since the late 80s. Human research has been going on for germline editing uh, really since 2012. So China's, China's done the embryos. England and Sweden are doing embryos. We've got the lung cancer, cancer patient. Like human trials have already happened. They're going to start happening in the West in the next few years. So that's really when it's going to come into the mainstream a bit more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there will be have to be a great, a great uh, you know, reconciling by the end of the decade for sure but it won't end there 
like even when we hit 2030 and beyond, we'll, we'll just know a bit more and we'll make new decisions on what's ethical and what's not and how to do it and what we should do. But you just have to ask, like, are we playing God here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It's very crazy to think mm -hmm. about. Yeah, no, it's it's wild. <laughs> I'm guessing it'll be like illegal to, you know, choose your child's hair color, eye color, height, things like that. I'm I'm guessing are going to be the the obvious aesthetic changes. Well, yeah, because that designer baby thing yeah. is such like a trigger point. Like people really don't like that. That isn't mm -hmm. you and, know. And there's other technologies that that work where you can select your child's gender or um, essentially cause a much greater likelihood to, to get one gender over the other. And that's a problem too. Like, I mean, we've seen that before yeah. the technology existed, yeah. this, you know, gender preference. Well, issue. we've also seen the like negative effects of that mm -hmm. as well. Like there's m many countries to show, you know, they, um, yeah, they prioritize having males and mm -hmm. now they mm -hmm. have way too many people yes, they messed and, it up yeah it's like, not working <laughs> the compound interest ended you up with like a way yes, overweighted the randomization male of it was uh yeah. actually way Very more sustainable <laughs> so, yeah there's yeah. a balance yeah when it's random there's a balance but you start making changes like this and, and who knows what could happen well well that is all very fascinating i cannot wait to uh kind of find out what happens i'm both like really excited and like kind of scared food so. for thought for sure <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely um things to chew on here like i mean we have to be pro-science and we have to keep doing studies and, and learning and and maybe soon we'll cure cancer you know what i mean and that's that'll that'll make everything worth it because that kills everyone if yeah. nothing else kills you first yeah uh but yeah we'll we'll just have to see because like, I mean, it's good in the one hand to, to make our babies more robust and, and strong, like our crops. But we just don't understand the interplay. Like, if if they're tall, will they also die at 30 for some other reason? We just don't know. Yeah. No, I can see that. They're, yeah. Very, very crazy. Anyway, <laughs> that was that was my look at CRISPR. CRISPR-Cas9. Well, thanks for teaching me some more stuff, Ryan. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.